0: I have a funny story about that. I think this is a perfect example of heaven here now. Cut it out if it's not appropriate. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah, so we, several years ago, founded an organization called The Gathering People. And the mission of The Gathering People is gathering people to bring heaven here now.
1: Well, and I don't think you have to be a religious person to say, I want to leave this world better than I found it.
0: Right. So it's one of those things where it's the difference of, you know, something here. Hey, welcome back to the Heaven Here Now podcast, where some former pastors and their friends talk about the radical shift that happens in life when we stop viewing heaven as an alternate reality that we hope to experience one day, and instead think of it as a potential reality that we have both the power and the responsibility to help create here and now. In today's episode, we talk with somebody who's more than just a friend, my brother Jake Dukes. Last week, we shared an episode of somebody going on a journey of leaving the church or de-churching, and this week, Jake shares his story of re-churching. His journey is one where he left and came back again. Jake pastored in a variety of churches in our areas and then left to join a nonprofit, Camp Southern Ground, that he still works with today and has a wonderful role in, but Jake shares his journey of his love for the church and his frustration with it. It's a story of God's faithfulness and ultimately the fruitfulness of the body of Christian believers who gather together. We think that you will enjoy his story. We appreciate you guys being here with us. We're gathering people to bring heaven here now. Thanks for coming along on the journey with us. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back for another week of the Heaven Here Now podcast. Uh, I'm excited because this is. My first time, I get to bring family on. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have somebody who's closer
2: than a friend. He's a brother, my brother, Jake and Dukes. How's it going, Jake? Doing great. Having a good morning. Already uh, got a chance to work out, run around, get the kids to school. So, you know, all the things.
1: You've already had a day.
2: I, I've had a full day. If you if you yeah. ever watch Adam Sandler, who he tried to get up early in the morning, he get you know, 11 o'clock, it's like, will this day ever end? That's, that's about every day
0: for <laughs> yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. that has been going yeah. on already so long. Yeah. Jake, uh, have you, you've done a couple podcasts before? Is this your first rodeo? Yeah, ride? no, I have. I've, uh,
2: I usually come on um, and talk, talk about the camp for various podcasts. I've been on probably, I don't know, maybe a dozen or so scattered around here and there. So, yeah, I love this medium. It's a great opportunity to share things.
0: Yeah, we get a, a little longer opportunity to have a conversation.
1: Yeah, so Jesse, um, you know everything about Jake. But mm-hmm. give him an opportunity. To, like tell people who he is, what he does, all the things.
0: Yeah, Jake, just kind of give us. Uh, you've you have been in the church world. You have been now in the nonprofit world. We kind of now have a similar experience of being in the church world and the nonprofit world. Share. Do you mind sharing just some of your story of how you went from pastor to Camp Southern Ground uh, director? Uh, what's your actual role? I can't remember what the, what the so title my, is. My
2: title is VP of Strategic Initiatives at Camp Southern Ground, which is definitely a unique uh, unique role within the organization. So, yeah, so thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here. What a great opportunity to share and uh, looking forward to connecting with your audience in a deeper way, especially since Camp Southern Ground is right here in our backyard. So that's, that's right. kind of fantastic, um, I think, for everybody involved. So my story is, yeah, I, I um, you know, kind of had that, that pastor kid's childhood. So you could kind of just imagine all the stuff that went down uh, through all that, but had a pretty wild and radical kind of conversion experience where, um, I, you know, I really felt like I experienced the presence of God in a real way in a way that I never had in church. So it was like me in my car by myself. Um, and it wrecked me, like completely uh, was undone. And, you know, I was, I was going for, for me, I was going for, you know, whatever sensual experience I could I could dive into that was you know that was just kind of in the moment um and after that I couldn't ever go back like was never ever the same and so you know just had had a very strange relationship though with the church growing up I can remember maybe a handful of people that I felt like really actually cared about me um I got a lot of abuse you know I got a a lot of condemnation you know just a, a lot of stuff just kind of pushed at me and Um, didn't really fit in great over there. I was the kid with long hair, you know, and like, and thrift store clothes or whatever. And, you know, just, just didn't fit the mold. Um, And so, you know, just that church was a weird experience growing, especially in my teenage years. It was just like, I just didn't feel like I connected. And and frankly, I didn't feel like there were a whole lot of folks in the leadership that really even gave me a chance. Um, You know, I I remember uh, a lot of people (laughs) that just the names you get called in Christian circles, really funny. Um, But uh, but yeah, so the Lord really got a hold of me. And then I was like, what do I do with myself? Because I'm really passionate about Jesus and am all in for him and yet didn't really know how to engage the church, but really felt like that was something I needed to learn. So jumped in with both feet. Uh, I was kind of running a nonprofit for college students. Me and my wife both were and some of our best friends. And then uh, and, and from there, we kind of like were starting to develop. Um, just kind of a respect and appreciation for different local churches in our area. And so went, eventually, kind of went on staff um, with a church and then even went back to my home church that I grew up at, which was, you know, just a unique experience. I think I was really trying to kind of repair some of the things that I felt like I had done wrong. Um, yeah. But ultimately, kind of through that journey, just, you know, just kind of saw some of the inside of the church and the reality of, of the decisions that are being made at the highest level. And I think ultimately what I came down to was, you know, just like there's really not very much accountability uh, in in that type of nonprofit. Um, and that doesn't mean yeah. that every church out there uh, it doesn't have systems in place, but you have to be really intentional as a church organization, leadership structure to build those things. And so I just was, I just saw the reality that, it, you know, you could kind of, you could get away with a lot, frankly, and there were yeah. really there weren't really a whole lot of checks and balances. So, um, I, I, think, you know, as then I began to rethink my, you know, my experience as a kid, you know, and to realize, man, you know, almost losing hope in the whole thing. So I left, you know, I, I, um, for various reasons, you know, that I'm not going to go into, I left and, and just kind of said, this is not for me, you know, in, in this season right now, I really felt a calling to kind of get back into the community. Um, it was funny, like I, maybe you probably talk about echo chambers, you know, and, and ways in which we can create. Uh, you know, communities and environments where we're ju- the people just saying back the, uh, to us the things that we already believe, and I, I feel like that was what was going on. Like I, I felt myself shifting in the way I just saw myself in the world um, to really kind of a isolated, you know, lonely kind of, um, you know, restricted sort of a space, and just really wanted to do something about that. So. Yeah, I started uh, started my own nonprofit, and then my buddy Zach, who we kind of like, were on, we went on vacations together. Our kids were friends. Um, was like, hey man, will you come and we're we're getting this thing off the ground? He'd already uh, twenty eleven was is when Camp Southern Ground got founded, and at this time it's twenty seventeen. They'd already really done a lot of work to build out the infrastructure of the camp. We they'd already piloted a couple of of uh, the kids camp experiences in the fall and we're looking to kind of scale it and say okay what we want to build a full-out summer camp and have veterans uh you know initiatives in some way shape or form at the camp and so um you know it's just been kind of like hey these are the ideas that the staff had had but zach from the very beginning wanted this to be more than just you know kind of in led by a few personalities even him, his own personality um, but really to be a collaborative effort with thought leaders from around the nation and so he asked me to come in and was like, hey, will you help me convene these vision development workshops that are really going to set the tone uh, and the vision for who we are as a camp and to really design the program? So that's what I did. What, what a great opportunity right? to, to go from you know, being in the church yeah. to being able to kind of cast uh, and create and design, help design leadership and vision for you know, this great organization that Zach had started. And so you know, we, we'd already had a lot of things built. We had the lodge built. We had our, our dining hall built. Uh, our our shade pavilion, lots of spaces. We already invested tons in the infrastructure, roads, waste sewage, all the stuff. Um, And it was like, we got this great place. You know, how are we going to serve kids and vets with it? So we hosted those vision development workshops in 2018, um, in the winter of 2018, and really began to say, okay, this is what we want to do. That summer was our first summer camp. And then uh, through those vision development workshops, we decided that we were going to launch our veteran programs um, in in the fall of 2018. And that's that's really what I was asked to do and come on full time to do um, was to get those programs off the ground. So me and a, a veteran who's a good friend of mine, um, we worked together to build those programs and we designed uh, warrior week, which is our workforce transition program, and then brought in other folks and started to build out the team from there. So I, um, I still, so the cool thing is I, I kind of like get to do startup stuff for the camp um, vision development stuff, and then a lot of fundraising. So that's really where my, uh, my initiatives are, and then I still instruct in both programs. We have a kind of combat stress program that we do called Warrior Path, and then that workforce readiness that we design and build ourselves called Warrior Week, um, which is continuing to grow. We're actually uh, expanding that program and scaling it up this year. Something we've been looking at doing for a while. COVID was obviously an impact there, uh, but one of the cool stories about our organization, you know, people think, "Oh, Zach Brown," like you know they must have everything they they could ever possibly need, and the reality is he he gets behind the vision in so many different ways. Um, but as a you know, any good organization, we can't rely on you know just one individual uh, to really to, to carry that load. And as a matter of fact, if yeah. that's the case, like that's really kind of a sign of something that's unhealthy within that structure. Right. And so yeah, if other people um, don't want to jump on, right? Right, right. Like what's going on here? So uh, it when we COVID was a great thing for us because when we hit it we found out, hey, there's an opportunity for us. We already had a plan to shift from, Zach was responsible for 80% of our funding, either him directly, the, the tour or his relationships, and 20% we got from other sources. And through the COVID season, we flipped that reality, um, which we were wow. really proud of. So now we really feel like on the backside of COVID, you know, we're really ready to, to start running. Um, and it's just a, it's a great organization to be a part of. I, I tell people all the time, like I never knew what a well-run nonprofit looked like until I worked for Camp Southern Ground. And the reason is because we have such a high level of scrutiny, Zach being who he is, it forces us to really think about things at every single level uh, so that we can make sure that we are you know, tied up and buttoned up in every possible way, just because there's a lot of people who would want to come after that. So you know, it's, it's been a great experience. I've learned a ton, and you know, it really has allowed me to change my perspective on what kingdom work even looks like. And, uh, you know, so that's been really, really exciting. So I'll just pause there because I know that's a lot to, to kind of digest. Yeah. yeah. That was
0: one of the things that as you were talking, I was, I know a little bit of the story of how, um, the vision for Camp Southern ground started, you know, Zach had an amazing camp experience when he was growing up. And then from that experience that, you know, felt like heaven on earth to him, yeah. he got a passion for like, how can I kind of uniquely create something that you know that that feels like a new version of that right in my own community and i just i, I love that it that's kind of the, the right the echoes that i heard of what you were talking about was this impulse to say hey we can create something that feels like heaven here now right you know like when we when we take like the minds and the hearts of all these really you know passionate loving people we put them in a room together and say like how can we best serve uh these communities you know kids mm vets. How can we make this an amazing experience? Um, that, that, and you focus on tangible results, like actually things here and now, right. Yeah. You can do amazing things. And I I guess it's like, I mean, you know, you and I both grew up in the church. Why does that, why do you think that idea and that kind of drive eludes church leadership sometimes? It's Mm -hmm. like, because so many times it's like, well, Hey, you know, people are going to get to heaven eventually there's not right. that impetus and the energy to say like, Hey, we need to work hard to create something here that really blesses and benefits
2: people. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, I think there are probably some churches who are thinking that way. I think that probably life church and different, you know, different, maybe like more larger, you know, organizations are are sort of trying to think that way. Um, I think that probably for the church, maybe there's a theological you know, thing going on. Uh, it's the, you know, maybe we haven't taught or understood completely that this earth isn't going to pass away, right? Um, I think that probably something that I thought and was taught uh, growing up is that you know we're trying to get away from the world, and yeah. you know the scriptures teach us to be in the world but not of the world, and so there's this tension, right? Of how can I create this this wonderful thing that is designed to look like kingdom, and yet knowing that it's never going to be perfect. I mean, I think that's right. probably what what kind of is the biggest stalling point is there, you know, you go through history, there's people who've tried to create communities that were supposed to look like heaven. And those were kind of colossal failures. And so it's like, you know, what, what do we, how can we have our expectations adjusted correctly so that we understand that there's still incredible kingdom work that we can do, but it may not be the full picture of what we're going to see when we, you know, when we're, we're face to face with Jesus. And so, you know, what's the work then? What, what can we engage in? I mean, I personally have seen, um, I, I think probably if we're measuring things, or su- measuring success by maybe some decisions or, you know, like a, like a physical baptism or something like that, which aren't bad things necessarily. It's just when that's all we look at when it comes to kind of the metrics of how we want to evaluate our, our effectiveness. And I do think that that probably lends to maybe, a, a, you know, the model that the church maybe currently finds itself in. I think that if you expand it to say, hey, how can we engage in like kingdom concepts, kingdom like fabrics of society, ways of thinking, ways of loving people, you you begin to think through the systems of a community or a culture that that whether or not they're looking like the kingdom, then I think that maybe will allow you to come to some different conclusions. And so that's what I think. You know, it's the trust that, hey, if we, you know, if we feed somebody, if we give somebody a safe place to be an environment where they can be themselves. You know, if we if we help a kid who has autism or is on the spectrum, you know, this neurodiverse spectrum, find a place where they feel loved and connected with, and they get to be themselves, they get to share and, and, and understand the depths of who they are. That's kingdom work, right? Um, do, do, does an individual understand every time that, that Jesus Christ, like the, the word Jesus or the person Jesus is attached to right. this? Maybe not. But if Jesus is the type of individual and the type of God who, who wants these fabrics and you know the ways of thinking, the ways of behaving, to inundate into all that we are. Then we should to celebrate that because all good work is his work, right? Yeah. All that stuff is yeah. his is his initiatives. And and you know we're just waiting on the day for you know people maybe to discover that he is the designer of that you know of that reality. So yeah, I mean I think there may be, you know a couple things in there, right? Theology, there's there's what we measure, and there's just how we think about it. Yeah. The uh, the back to the what we measured
0: thing, like we've we we wrestle with this idea a lot and my i guess my question for you is i guess or if i'm going to give my answer first and then we'll see yeah, if we agree let's do it right i i i think that possibly like the most important thing to count or to measure like is empowering believers because it's you you said at the beginning it's one of the problems with the church's accountability and if heaven here now is you mentioned about the failure stories. Usually the failure stories are, it's just where one person leads that, or a small group of people are like, right. this is, our, you know, like we're, yeah. the, we're the arbiters of- It's the upside down pyramid. Yeah, and it's like, it's, yeah, we're going to create this thing and we're the only people that get to speak into it. Right. But the more that you open that uh, that discussion up and invite other people in, especially people that aren't, you, as, as you empower people to speak into that process-
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I believe that that's one of the things that like purifies the process because you're getting like you're getting this broader perspective, right? Like oh, yeah. we went for a long time and neurodiverse people and, you know, people that were on different, you know, atypical people were just excluded from any right. type of community building. Right. It's like right. you're weird. Right. You know, like we're, we're, like, we're building. Some, here. Yeah, we're, we're building something and it's it's it, it, it's it would be too hard to make that great for people like you, where it's, we just want to make it great for people like us. So like, do you think empowering people and like, is that the metric that, that maybe is about kingdom work? Like kingdom work is about helping people see that they have power to create heaven here now and their perspective on what that looks like is vital to
2: the creation of it. Yeah, man. I mean, we're weaving in a lot of different things, but I think if you go back and look at the early church, that was the spirit of the first century church is that, yeah, there were some people who were directing the movement, people who had been with Jesus, right, and seen him and experienced his life. And they were telling stories about that. And then people were getting so moved and were so compelled by those experiences and those stories and those interactions that—and then they were sent. They were they were released. You know, they were—you they were, got a church planner coming in, like Paul or Barnabas, and going into a region, staying there for a few months, and then gone. And it's like, you know, it's up to, it's up to these individuals. It's up to these people, you know, to step into this. And there were so many different house churches that were, you know, kind of expanding and, and really the, the message that was getting out to the community around them, like the Roman community and just all throughout the ancient world was that these folks love well, that that was the message. It was the, you know, when people are sick, they're going into these houses, there's plague there. You'll find Christians there. There's people who you know need to have their babies delivered. Christians will show up. And it was like, you know, they, they were basically, Pliny is the younger, you know, the, these different historians, they are overwhelmed by the kindness and the support and the inclusion of the Christian community. I mean, there's even records of people sharing their funds and you know, being incredibly generous when they didn't have anything themselves. And so right. that was you know, that spirit of generosity, inclusion and, and kindness and love. That was what caused you know, that first century church to, to expand and, and, and explode, really, and to grow in exponential ways. And I think you're right. I think it was the, hey, if you're, you know, if you feel called, if you feel led, if you feel ready to go, go. Like there's
0: go. no
1: real yeah. rules right. here.
0: You're empowered to do it.
2: Yeah. yeah. And everything it, you're just talking go.
1: about, like the spirit that you're talking about, the generosity, the love, the kindness, all of that, those are attributes of the Holy Spirit. And I've talked to Jesse a little bit about this before. I feel like we have a huge problem now with, um, in the church, we, we'll talk about God and we will rely on Jesus. And we want to get to that point where we get the baptism in to count that metric. But it feels like as far as the Holy Spirit goes, I know for me personally, I never really heard about the Holy Spirit when I was in church and what it could empower me to do and how, you know, like that true power that lived inside of me and pushing me on, like you're saying to be sent out and go and do these amazing things. Do you, how do you feel about the Holy Spirit and the metrics and all of that involved with with what I'm saying in that idea?
2: Yeah, that's another fantastic question. You know, the funny thing about baptism and the holy spirit is like we love to count baptism but those those were supposed to go (laughs) right exactly time in scripture (laughs) like that that was the point the point of baptism was to be able to receive the spirit you know to be able to to be empowered
1: mark on a piece of paper
2: exactly yeah so that's you know i think that's one of the you know the the desperate losses of the church is you know is that we you're right we we talk i mean we even love to talk about jesus um and yet jesus said look i'm going to send the Spirit to you who's going to actually lead you into all the truth. He's going to do allow you to do greater things than I did. So, right, I mean, there's this, we've kind of missed our theology there where it's, you know, God the Father who initiates the plan, Jesus acts them out, then the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches and instructs us internally. That's God inside of us. Every time we think about God, you know, and interacting with humans, that's always the work of the Spirit. And so I think that's a good, a really good point you bring up, Katie, that, you know, I don't think there's a good teaching enough teaching, frankly, out there on the work of the spirit and, and spiritual gifts and the way that God's, God empowers us to, to break into the world with his goodness and love. And that, I think you're right, like that we're oftentimes, you know, looking at even as, as kind of Christian or, or, or evangelical communities, it's we're looking for things that we can do and build apart from the Holy yeah. Spirit. You know, I mean, every time I, I read somebody who comes over from, you know, another another country, third world country, emerging con- world country, and the spirit of God's working over there, they come to America and they say, man, it's amazing what you folks can do without the presence of God. You know, it's mm-hmm. really incredible. And I think that is probably the most, you know, kind of scathing indictment of of what it means to be in in the Christian sector in America is that we do have a lot of things that we can do. Without the presence yeah. of
1: God. That's funny. But, I was just know. talking to my aunt about this yesterday. She um you've met her, Jesse Becky, that goes to Peru and we had talked to the people there. And I kinda I'll tell you later what happened with that, because we were gonna go down there. But um she said, you know, when they pray, she said, I would look up and peek when everybody was praying, and she was like, They are praying. Like they mm. are in it, they their heart and soul, you can hear it when they're praying. And she said, And here it's just we don't do that. I, and like you're saying, it's because we have so much in us. It's like, we forget that we need God.
2: Right. Yeah. We've, yeah, we've got a lot of great, I mean, we've got a lot of affluence, you know, we got a lot of great things. And so there's a lot that we can pull off from a social perspective. And, you know, I do think that that's funny, man. It's like the church has got so much in us, right? There, there's so much in the tank that we have yet to tap. And so it's really unfortunate that you know, that some of the, you know, more secular or more, you know, a- a- atheistic kind of like perspectives or ag- agnostic, you know, movements, I believe are, are really kicking tail. Like, I, I think yeah. that we yeah. as the church, it's unfortunate that we're having to learn from those organizations who are doing it well, who have, do not have, you know, Christ associated with them in, in any way. But it doesn't mean that that's the way it's got to stay. It's how can we, like, keep those high standards for ourselves. And, you know, we, we, it's funny, man, in these churches, we preach all this stuff on holiness and yet our structures really aren't in place to have a, like an integral aspect, holiness be an integral aspect of who we are, what we do. And that gets right back to accountability. You know, if yeah. you have a leadership structure, structure, Jesse talked about this, it's the, you know, if you get this upside down where it's like one person, right, is the pendulum. And if that one person falls, the whole thing falls apart. You know, that's potentially, you know, an inferior system. And yeah. if, if we're going to continue to use that, though, then we really better get good at helping whoever that person or group of people are maintain that integrity. It's, it's, we got to create safety. we got to create openness. It has to be okay to talk about sin in, uh, in ways other than just get it out of your life. Sin bad. It's got to be okay to talk about sin. And uh, This is real. This is open. This is honest. And I think in the church, what I learned is I need to cover and hide my badness. As opposed to take an honest and open look at my badness.
1: Yeah, and God I agree. loves me
2: in the middle of it. He loves my badness. He loves my goodness. But if I'm forever hiding my badness, then it just is growing. It's in the dark and it's growing like mold.
1: Yeah.
0: There, there's a. Uh, did you want
2: to share something, Katie? No, I was going to ask him something
1: else. Go ahead.
0: Well, there's a. I'm I'm, I'm doing another video uh, after this for restoring your heart, and I was looking at some scriptures this morning. I came back to that um, that John 10. Passage, where Jesus is like my first, like the, he gives this image of, you know, the foundation of a healthy community is is a safe place where there's yeah. like a shepherd watching out for the sheep, mm. and that and and the goal isn't to be like, how many you know wool pelts can we, right, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. create and right. bring to market, it's. Mm. It's like are are these are these people are these are the things that I'm looking after safe? Yeah. You know, are they are they taken care of? Right. And I think it's so fascinating because I mean, Jake, I think you and I have talked about this. It's like the difference between doing ministry as a job mm-hmm. and doing ministry as a calling. Because Jesus really mm-hmm. talks in there. He's like, he says, the hired hand, like when he sees the wolf coming, he he bolts. Right. He bails. You right. know, like right. And. And and I think that that's what it's just a it's a really challenging position I think to put somebody in where like your livelihood, you know, all of your you know financial security yeah. is wrapped up in you know being this you know church leader, because yeah, then when financial pressure comes, the wolf comes, you know, like some mm-hmm. difficulty comes, and it's like you know what I really need to do is is like sacrifice right. my well being for the safety of this group, right? Right. So so many don't. Yeah. Right. And I think that this is very fundamentally why like Jesus is so foundational for healthy leadership, because like that's the model mm-hmm. is Jesus is like when the outside pressures come in, I as your leader, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm going to protect myself right. and I'm going to take a golden parachute and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a bailout. And if you guys are all left holding the bag, sorry, you know, stinks to be you. Right. He's like, I'm going to die on the hill of making this a safe place. Mm. And I don't, I just don't know that, I don't know that the church has really wrestled with that. It's like, it's it's like we're trying to make church communities something else before we make it a safe place. And I just don't know if it works that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really agree. And I think that frankly, it's a misunderstanding of the gospel ultimately, because I do think that, you know, if you're starting with the gospel and finishing with the gospel, because that's what all of us are doing, right? the more, the more that I progress in Christ, the more that I understand my own wicked heart. Right. And that's, That's you know, I I think that that's what we're, it's funny. It's like, it's like the, the more I think in that other perspective, it's the more that I progress in Christ, the more holier I become. And it's like, bro, you're not making yourself holy. Like none of us are. There are so many deep seated rivers of selfishness and deceit and all kinds of stuff going on in us. That, like, it's, you know, the fact that we are getting that our religion, you know, and our perspectives on religion are getting us farther away from that understanding. That's dangerous.
1: Yeah, that is right. dangerous.
2: And, and it's because we're missing the fact that it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that any of this, any of us have any right to stand in his presence. And that just doesn't change, you know, and I, I want it to change. Personally, I wanted to change. Yeah. I want my status to give me upgrades. And I want to be able to perform and I want to be able to make it. And I want to be able to deliver on, you know, but I can't, you know, there's no way yeah. that I can. Yeah. I love, uh, I love when Paul,
0: you, you can kind of like chart through some of his letters. We know that like some were written earlier, some were written later. Right. And he goes to this progression where in the, I think, I can't remember which one, I think it's in Galatians. He says, which is one of his earliest ones. He says like, I'm the least of the apostles. Yeah. Right. He's like, that's how he identifies. He's like, he's like, you know, the other guys, like, you know, Peter, Paul, you know, John, those guys, they're up there. I'm, I'm at the bottom of the list of 12, you know, because (laughs) right. Right. And he's like, you know, so I just, I know my place. And then a little later on, he says, uh, he's like, man, I'm, I'm actually, I'm the least of all the saints. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, of all the, you know, saved and all the redeemed, you know, like put me at the bottom because he just, he was getting a great, like you said, getting a greater appreciation for like, I'm not like without Jesus. Yeah. I'm nothing. Yeah. Right. Right. And then at the end of his life, he says, I'm the chief of sinners.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, at at like the, the, the longer and longer he reflected on, Mm. you know, what this whole thing was, he was like, he's like, actually, you know, like I'm at the top of the list of, of the failures. And it's like, so much of that is rooted in his deep appreciation for how that didn't disqualify him from being used by God. In fact, you know, it qualified him. And like, I was again, thinking about this, like forgiveness and a forgiving, gracious community, like has to be the foundation of like what makes a safe place because that, that gives you the freedom to mess up. I, you know, it's like, it's impossible to grow up if you don't have a safe place to mess up. That's it. It's impossible. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And I think
1: that all of us like got a shortcut to this, mindset because of being on staff in churches and seeing the breakdown right. of where everything is going wrong so we like get a shortcut to the front of the line and knowing this and this knowledge right but i feel like covid like you said jake like changed so much for your organization i also feel like it changed so much for the organization of the church as a whole because people for started sure. to see like christianity and their relationship with god so much differently and I feel mm-hmm. like that's why we're starting to see more of this, like, deconstruction movement, which you talked about. It's, you didn't use the word deconstruction, but it, ta- you, it sounded like you went through that in your life as well, like, once Definitely. you got out of, of church staff. Why do you think right now, like, do you think it's because of COVID that this has picked up, this deconstruction movement? And why do you think, like, the conservative Christian side is just saying that this is just, like, sexy and woke?
2: Yeah, 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 right. That's a good, I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of forces kind of pulling at what's going on right now. I, obviously I do think COVID had an impact. I mean, we, so I, while we were, I was I mean, I wouldn't say D church, but I was not on staff and for a year didn't go back to church. Um, and just to see kind of what was going on in me. Then mm-hmm. we started to go to church, going back to church about a year later. Um, and, you know, that was a strange experience for me. Right. It was like being, being, a, a, you know, practitioner of all that stuff and then coming in and just sitting in the seat. So that was a unique experience. Um, I do think that like probably what happened with a lot of individuals is that because of COVID, a lot of people stopped going to church. I mean, there was obviously the whole, you know, should, is it safe even to go to church, right? And like churches were wrestling with that and like all the difference in church and states, so there's a lot of tension there. Um, but I do think that in the mind of the, of the kind of modern churchgoer, It was I'm just gonna you know and even people who are elderly I'm just gonna like remove myself from this setting for a while and safety was the reason and I do you know I think that probably the conclusion that many of them came to is that wow you know I'm still here you know like it's okay lightning the lightning didn't fall right exactly (laughs) like so this is great you know like I you know yes to get my and, and I think there was some healthy evaluation that took place maybe like wow what have I you know what what place have I put this in my life. And are there other ways of doing church? And so, you know, every time I, I talk about this, I have to remind everybody and myself, like in the new Testament, church never meant what we use the word for today. Mm -hmm. That's a a critical thing for us to remember.
0: It's so easy to just jump over that fact. We've a whole sermon series on this idea and it's not a, you know, it's, it's, we just take it so for granted. Right. Yeah. So talk, talk about what, Talk about what is what is the meaning of ecclesia? In, right. Well, I mean, and in, today in, in the to, New Testament,
2: right? Today we mean a, a an organizational structure, um, more like an organization. That's what we're, when we say church, we think a nonprofit organization that is gathering and structured around a certain set of covenants and ideals, um, and also is, usually
0: a, a, a specific meeting time. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I went to church on Sunday. Yeah. Right. But you, but you every single church that. Uh, well, not everyone, many of the churches that we go to have like organized as a 501c3, they're, uh, you know, government recognized nonprofit organization. And so that's really what, you know, what we think of when we think of church is like as a government organized nonprofit. And then all that that means, right. But that was never the term. And that was what never what the term meant in the New Testament. I mean, even Jesus, when he talks about the church, which he does mention uh, the church, not as obviously as much as Paul and the New Testament writers who were writing letters uh, in, in the book of Acts, but the, every time that term is used, I mean there's a specific Greek term, right? You said just, just ekklesia, which was the breakdown of kaleo and ek, which is out of. So it's called out, is the, kind of the like the original Greek term and what that kind of idea was, the called out ones. And so it was this idea that you know individuals could pursue their relationship with God in community. And there weren't really a whole lot of rules or structures around that. And it always, and especially when, in Paul's writing, um, always meant a group of believers who were in fellowship with one another. I mean, that that's really the one another statements uh, throughout yeah. Scripture are the best ways to think and act and, and discern what, the church, what is the church supposed to look like? What is it designed to be? Um, Ephesians does a great job of kind of walking through a pretty – solid like ecclesiology of what the the structure of the church is supposed to look like yeah man we've forgotten just about all that stuff it's funny it's like (laughs) you look at the new testament it's all there you know but we're just not living or listening to it or you know abiding in it or, or allowing it to affect our lives today and so i do think that that is possibly part of what is going on You know, Katie, back to your point, it's like with with COVID, I think there's a reevaluation of what that what the word church means. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good conversation. But I do think that, you know, what we can what can tend to happen is that we can allow ourselves to dismiss the whole thing. You know, when really we just need a realignment. Right. Yeah. And and a realignment can can look like some of the old ways of doing things and it can look like some of the new ways of doing things. And that's what I've been trying to explore, you know, kind of the last couple of years of my life.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what your realignment, like you told people that you were on church staff, you told people that you went into this nonprofit phase, but tell them what you're doing now, like how it's kind of, I mean, in my opinion, from my viewpoint, it's kind of come full circle. Like what, how do you tell them what you're doing now? And how do you feel about that idea?
2: Yeah, I I appreciate that. I I did, I backed out of church and and then I was, you know, so one of my friends who does a boat church, which I'm actually going to go preach at this weekend, um, Raven one of my County? Friends, uh, it's, I don't, it's, um, it's Lake Harding. I'm not, they may okay. be in Raven. Um,
1: no, I'm thinking of Lake Burton.
2: Lake Harding. Yeah. No, okay. it's South, uh, Alabama, Georgia line. I got it. Um, so one of my friends was like, hey, would you be willing to come and preach for us? And so I was like, yeah, you know, I, I did I itinerant thing like here and there. Um, and so got down there and I remember, so it's this cool thing. Like there's an island in the middle of the lake and all these boats are out there, like a hundred boats or so. And like people are swimming and there's like a band, little band and like speakers are just going out over the water. Uh, and you're on this like tiny little Island. So I remember they had this really cool band that like, you know, like we're doing flutes and different things, like really kind of Indian, you know, like American Indian vibe to them, which, you know, I, I love. And, uh, and so I was just there worshiping. And I remember looking down and like picking up a stone and just, the Lord's speaking to me as clear as I could possibly hear him saying, Jake, I've designed you for this, mm-hmm. built you for this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been doing all kinds of great speaking. I speak on the Enneagram, you know, doing speak on strengths. I speak on a lot of great topics that are, you know, they're secular topics, but they are, they're, they're built for human flourishing and human thriving. And so obviously there's kingdom work in there. Uh, but, you know, I, I just really felt like the Lord was saying, Jake, I've called you to like declare my goodness and, you know, I just was feeling that I, in, in the deepest part of who I was that like I was built and gifted and designed to to declare the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and and to, to figure out what that means for my life. And, you know, i would kind of written a lot of things like I wanted to get into church planning at some point and like not full time, but really to and somehow in capacity, like give for my overflow. You know, like there was so much in me that I think that I, because I was paid, I, I think there's just a lot of mixture in me. When it came to you know my role and job as a pastor um and you know like that that was my livelihood i'm not saying that you know people shouldn't be paid i'm not saying any of that but for me personally because it was my sole income there was a lot of mixture going on to me about my intentions and purpose and so i just needed that to be refined and i feel like the lord was saying hey you know like "I, I i did a good work in you now it's time to get back in there and then a week later uh after i preached a buddy of mine was like hey man i gotta vacate this position at this church would you be willing to come and take over for us? And I said, man, you know what? The, the timing is obviously impeccable on this because I really do feel like the Lord has said yes. And so I'm just going to follow the Lord wherever you lead. And so we now I'm I'm pastoring this little tiny church in Brooks, Georgia, you know, which is is very different than all the other environments that I was a part of. And being asked to put my money where my mouth is, like, okay, you know, like buddy, you know, you, you've had all these scathing reviews of the church, but can you, can you get back in there and actually be part of the solution and not just part of the problem? Mm-hmm. And so like that, that's what I've been trying to, to seek and search out. And it hasn't been tea and cakes, you know, it's there, has been real challenges. You know, we've, I've seen people leave uh, the church for various reasons. Um, I've seen new people come and, you know, what I've really tried to find in myself and it, it's the most authentic place of church and community is to, can I, can I find a way to, to pursue the love of Jesus Christ and pursue what it means to serve Him with this group of other believers in a natural, like everyday kind of relational context. And so that's really kind of what I'm more asking is not what can I build? You know, not how can we expand this? How can we grow this? But how can we just be real? Like, how can we how yeah. can we live out a faith that is authentic and credible? And, you know, I'm going to actually try and do the things that, that, they, that God tells us to do in his word, um, be convicted, you know, submit myself to this community. We submit some, ourselves to one another and really pursue the love of Christ and see what God's going to do. I mean, I do think it's going to have an impact outside of it. We talk about that all the time, like, hey, God, what are you calling us to do? One of the things that we're looking at right now is just adoption and how cool. God's heart is. I want to take care of the fatherless and the motherless, you know. And, and so that's something that we've been, because there's a lot of folks who happen to be in our church, but that's their story. And so um, just what, what can we, how can we seek out what God is up to here among us in our community? It's very local focused. It's very, yeah. what's in our street? What's in our neighborhood? What's in our very city? Here and now, right? Yep. What's God doing right here around us? And how can we, you know, involve ourselves in whatever he's up to around us? I love that. There was a, uh, I heard a great metaphor one time, because
0: I, I want to go back to what you said about people missing the difference between what we think of today as church and what the Bible's talking about. Because I've seen the exact same thing. um, There's a lot of people that are like, whatever it is that we call church, a lot of people are like, I don't know that I need that. Right. I I don't know that I I need that. But like you, I would also very much caution people to say, the thing that the Bible's talking about you do very much right. need that. And so don't, you know, don't, don't throw out the one with the other. And so this this metaphor, I mean, there's a book called The, the, the Vine and the Trellis. Mm. And it talks about the difference between like, you know, a vine is this like living, growing thing that like comes out of the ground and you know, can all the different beautiful varieties, you, know, you can produce grapes, you know, all this other kind of stuff. A trellis is a structure that supports that, right? It's just like a, right. like a lattice. It's this, you know, somebody just builds this, you know like it can be a box it can be whatever but it's it's just this rigid structure and its purpose is to support the the growth and the health and the stability and the structure of the vine right right and so you know yeah the vine like wraps itself around this structure and it can grow up kind of taller and you know it just it can work without it but if it uses right. it it can do different things yeah and like when we talk about church today, most people they're talking about the trellis. Well, that's right. They're talking about right. like the, the structure and the organization. And I think what's so sad is like you said, when when you're starting a church, which is really the heart of is is about the vine. It's this living organic connection of relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a it's a network of relationships that says, We're you know, we're 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 not separable. Like we have yeah. a bond together that makes us something bigger than just individuals. And so we, you know, we need to grow together. We have this common life source, but it's like, there's this immediate pressure when a vine starts growing, like the church you're in that it goes, well, you need to get your trellis to like 15 feet, man. (laughs) You know, like, like normally you're supposed to have, you know, like, uh, you know, this thing and this part of the trellis and this one, like, you know, they're supposed to be a children's ministry. Like that's a whole, you know, part over there that like you don't have. Right. As as opposed to saying like there's a, there's a vine growing right now like what does that mm-hmm. need like what supports that great and question people need safe intimate forgiving committed loyal relationships right mm-hmm. that's the thing that that people need and and I it's just I don't know I mean I don't have a question it's just it's sad to me that we've yeah. mistaken those two things and that so many people are like Pfft, I don't need a trellis, and don't realize I absolutely need a vine. I need this like living, breathing thing to be connected to.
2: Yeah, man, that's a great way to think about it. And you're absolutely right. It's let's let's focus on the trellis, and if we build the trellis, the vine will grow. And you know, I I do think that that's what I'm trying to explore. And frankly, I don't have the answers either. Like you know, like there's no questions and there are no real answers because I'm I'm still deconstructing all the ways in which I learned. I mean, I've got almost 20 years. Of experience in that building systems and structures—that was my job. I was that was the I was the guy who you know who launched the groups and who oversaw the kids stuff and I you know organized the volunteers. That was what I did, and so I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff and really fight even myself, you know, in this desire to say, let me you know let me structure this and organize this. Um, But you know, at the same time, out of love and compassion for the people that are coming and a part of this thing that we're doing. Like, how can we serve them best? And that, I do think that when you look at the ministry of Christ, you know, there was so much in him where he had compassion, right? Yeah. Like that was what moved him. It was the needs of people. It was the immediate needs of people that he almost at times allowed to direct his whole ministry trajectory. I mean, you know, it was the fact that he needed to go across the lake and he was trying to get away from folks. And yet they followed him over there and he shows up and he just, you know, he ministers to them. So it's it's really... Right. You know, I think it's the instead of like you said, instead of saying, okay, what you know, now that we're this size, you know, like what do organizations do to to accommodate that? It's okay. what are the immediate needs in front of us? And I don't even know if I fully understand. I probably don't have the best vantage point on what those needs are, but our body does like everybody who's a part of that does. And, you know, it's almost like a resistance. To say we're, you know, I've got so many people like, hey, man, when are you going to like leave that thing and go full time and like, you know, do this thing? It's like there's so much pressure, I think, on any of these fledgling movements to say this is how you grow and this is what you do to prepare for that. And it's like, no, like I'm going to resist that. I'm going to resist that. And I'm going to ask the spirit of God. What are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you leading us? What you've already got, you've thought this through long before I thought this through, man. I just, I have died on my own plans in so many different ways and been skewered by my own plans in so many different ways. And I, you know, I just am not looking for that. I'm looking for a true, like spirit led God, you know, you've had a plan for this long before I even begin to think about it. So what are you up to? What are you doing? How can I find out what that is?
1: That's good. Um, I love
2: the... Go ahead, Katie.
1: I think too, like what you're saying and what you're talking through and how you're problem solving, that's work, right? Like that, that takes a lot of digging. And, um, I feel like in today's society, like we just want that feel good right away. Like, you know, like we burn our mouths on hot pockets. And so <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> when I do that,
1: so like, yeah. I think that so many people just want to go sit down and want to get that feel good. And so many times we mistake that feel good for the Holy spirit and Mm. want to pick up our kids and go home and then do the next thing. And the next thing in our busy society and, and what you're talking about and and what I'm going through too, like deconstructing and letting God lead us like that takes a lot of work to stop and pause and listen to God's voice and dig in there with him in a conversation. Do you feel like that's accurate?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, we've got a multi, uh, we, we got a multi, slightly multi-ethnic. We're more like multi-generational uh, when it comes to our congregation. And, you know, anytime you, you try and, you know, operate in those spaces, there's going to be very strong differences of opinion. And so how can you stay? That's the other work, right? It's the, it's the, it's the work of there's all these expectations, right, uh, that all of us have about what church should look like. And, and yet I think a lot of those expectations are frankly contradictory. It's like, we, we, you know, we want this, this organic experience yet we want our kids, you know, to be fully taken care. Of. It's like, we want it all. And, you know, and yet we don't, most of us don't really want to get involved, you know, and really build something together. You know, we, we really are kind of looking for something to just kind of take care of what we're looking for in the immediate moment. And so you know, I, I think there, yeah, there's lots of difficulty there. I mean, there's lots of difficult conversations. It's a, you know, it's a, you got to create openness to be able to challenge, you know, in lots of different ways. And as the, no matter what you're doing, if you're doing like a, you know, kind of a group leadership thing, you know, set, there's always going to be questions around intentions and difficulties and things you have to work through. And I think that, that that's the real work of the kingdom is how can we, I mean, scripture talks about this all the time. There are so many things that dis, disunify us. We're going to rip us apart, and yet we're a body, right? You're not yeah. going to tell your hand, "I don't need you." You're not going to say to the foot, "Get away from me." So it's like, you know, none of us would ever imagine chopping off a hand, unless, of course, it was, you know, going to kill us, gangrene or whatever. Uh, but that's it's the last thing you want to lose. Yeah. And so it's how can we how can we find these points of connection that are going to draw us back together, even though we've got very strong different theological all all over the place, yeah. theological I- to giftedness to all kinds of stuff.
0: I think the, uh, one of the things the image I keep coming back to is like, you know, we, we have become very attached to the supports for the body and not very attached to, to the body itself. It's like, you know, the whole, the whole thing, if you go back to that uh, vine and trellis metaphor, it's like the supports are there for a season, but what are they there for? They're there until the vine has enough internal structure to support itself. Right. And, like, and, it, and it's supposed to grow up and then become this self-supporting mm. thing. And I think that that's what so many believers miss is like God's design for you know, heaven here now for, for community isn't this organizational structure that's like super rigid and has everything figured out and meets every single you know, need. That, so you can just show up and it's Walmart you know, and it's like right. everything <laughs> right. is done, right? right? His goal is for people to be built up internally. Yeah. And for like for us to become strong, for us to become, you know, to have that like strength and support inside of us. And Absolutely. and then and then for those external things actually to go away. I think that's a I think that's part of why Jesus said it's better for you that I go away. Cuz right. he was like if right. I stay, you're going to build whatever you build around my physical body, but I can only right. be in one place at one time. Right? Right? right. I'm going to give you the power that I have inside of you and then I can go all over the earth in every single culture, you know, in every single you know, ethnicity, like into every single person. And man, I just, I, I i think that that's the next generation of the Jesus movement. It's like us oh, yeah. learning to embrace the, the multicultural, the, you know, the global, the, the mm. bigger movement of, of, uh, of what the church is. So yeah, we need to get together another time and just, you know,
2: talk through that Um, we have a jesse and i have a group called we call it the flint river society and uh, Uh we we i saw that on instagram
1: it suggested it to me
2: (laughs) well join in i mean it's just these types of conversations about you know what's the next what is the next movement of the church and how can we be a part of it and really build it in senoi you know that's that's the area that we all kind of reside in yeah Yeah. um and it's like god is at work here in our town man i'm you know if i if I were to go full on and what I feel like my ideas were taking me, like I'd run for mayor, you know, for Sonoy, because Hmm. that's the kind of, I feel like the Lord is integrating the city and the community together to build a kingdom, you know, kingdom outbreak right there. So, you know, what does that look like? And I think that's part of what we're trying to ask the question on. So yeah, Yeah. that's the, we'll definitely have to get into that Jess next time we we get together.
1: I love that to wrap up. um, So many people, you know, like we've talked about the D church have walked away. Uh, Why what would your argument be for all those people that are killing it and the agnostic groups and everything and and are doing great and people see that and have left and like, why do I need to come back after COVID? What would your argument be for why is church and the body heaven here now?
2: Man, such a great question. So I think like it's an understanding that everything good that any of us experience, right? I'm not i I'm not talking about your belief system. I'm talking about the structure of the way the world was built. Everything good. Is derivative of God so at the very base when you get down at the bottom of anything that we enjoy or love what's down there is Jesus what's down there is the creative force that designed all of this and so I think that's like that's a first step it's that we all have to understand that all these wonderful things were given to us right we didn't create them we didn't build them we can't manufacture them and I think it's easy to see that because when we pursue all these kind of desires, crazy desires that we have, we find that they continually don't satisfy us because they're always pointing to something greater. And that greater is God. That's what God is. And so I think that that movement of God at work in all of us, that we're actually building a structure of a society based on goodness, based on these ideals, those are all derivative of God. So it's, it's the understanding that, hey, there's a foundation down there. You know, maybe we're also trying to figure out exactly what that foundation is and and what the attributes are, you know, like what the actual makeup of and who God is and learning who God is. But, you know, he's down there. God, that God force is down there. And so when we get in community then what we understand is like, that's a place where God is able to work in all of us in ways that he designed. And so that's why I would say maybe, yeah, maybe you've given up on a particular organized structure um, of the church. But I would say like, if you can give really incarnational kingdom relationships a chance in some capacity, I think that that's going to be some of the greatest learning and growth uh, and, ful- and fulfillment and meaning that you can ever find. I know for me, you know, it's funny, like the, my experience as a church, I felt more isolated in lots of different ways. And I think that as I'm exploring church now, I feel more connected and more integrated than I ever have felt in my life. And I think that's probably the right way to do it. Um, you know, a, a church is like, what does it take for something to be a church? You know, like, what, what does that actually take? Um, it takes a body of believers operating together under the authority and headship of Jesus. Yes. And that's what that's what a church is. So, you know, if it's just you and a couple friends, you know, look at the scriptures, let those be your guide. You know, the reason why I think it's good sometimes to find support and help and encouragement is because there are people who are pursuing this and trying to figure out, hey, what are the ways to do this well and to honor God and to and to really include uh, safety and security like you talked about, Jess, as a part of our movement, then then you consult with those folks. Right. But there's a lot I think there's a lot of people out there, maybe more than you'd, you'd think or people would be surprised to find out about that are wanting to encourage this kind of you know, incarnational, like, you know, grassroots kind of kingdom movement stuff Mm -hmm. that, that is out there, you know? And then those relationships being the connecting factor, not like a structure necessarily, um, or some kind of, you know, outside imposed thing, but more of a, Hey, I know Jess and Jesse and I, we talk a lot and we've got a whole group of friends that we're talking about this sharpening, challenging, you know, asking questions and then we're going out and we're doing it. And so you know, I think that that's what, I think that's that, that, that spirit of exploration to go build something and do something. man, that's got to be the driver, you know, and then, and then allowing the Lord to lead us and guide us as we go. Love it. Love it, dude. Thank you so it's much. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to do it again, man, to, uh, I know, to do, do right? part two at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, appreciate you so much for, for having me on here today. What a fun conversation. I'm like ready to go tackle some stuff. Right. I know, <laughs> right? Hey, let's go into our
0: own, our, our different, uh, you know, kind of corners of the kingdom and. And we'll 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 uh, we'll build some heaven here now. How about that? Absolutely, that sounds great. Right.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Appreciate Jake. Y'all. Thanks,
0: Jake. Yep.